Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our <clears throat> our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we're going to be looking at how the systems of yoga and Ayurveda, ancient Vedic wisdom, uh, work together to help us lead a healthy, um, fulfilled life. Yoga is a Sanskrit word, of course, that many are um, familiar with, but often associated with exercise. And we talk about yoga on Yoga Hour. We're talking about the ancient system for a spiritual awakening self and God realization. And Ayurveda is a system that goes along with it, shares the same goal of uh enlightened living and a function of healthy living. So it's Ayurveda is life wisdom, knowing how to live in harmony with the truth of our being. So our topic today is self-care in every season and uh this uh, program, if you're listening live, we're just shifting into fall now, and where I live in California, where we don't have a big flux in the seasons, uh, we actually have felt it the last couple of days. This is a change in the air, change in the temperature, so we're going to be talking about how the change of seasons can affect our health and well-being, and how we can make some changes in um, what we're eating and how we're living um, so we can avoid those uh, often um, run into problems of, uh, you know, illness at the change of season, how we can stay in balance. And with us today is Kate O'Donnell. She's a nationally certified Ayurvedic practitioner and Ashtanga yoga teacher. She's based in Boston. And she is the author of a new book that we're going to be drawing from that I really cannot say enough good things about. But let me tell you the title. It's called The Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook. And uh, I think the... The second line, the byline of the book is probably the most important part for us to know because it's a seasonal guide to eating and living well. So um, we're going to learn about that on our program today, how we can make good meals to nourish our body, but that um, being consistent with lifestyle uh, guidelines to live consciously in each season and self-care practices that help our bodies adapt um, as the seasons change and to changes in our life. Welcome, Kate. I'm so delighted you're here today on Yoga Hour. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So as we begin, um, just like you advise um, before having a meal, we stop for a moment just to become aware, uh, to orient ourselves to this moment, to become aware um 
of our bodies, our minds, our breath, and uh, Kate and I are going to do that, preparing ourselves for the conversation. And of course, for all of our listeners, we invite you to just take that moment with us. Gently and fully breathe in and out. And let your breath be an invitation, awareness of the breath, an invitation to shift your awareness from the surface of things into the depth of your being. Just feel the air coming in your nostrils, filling your lungs and your belly and the air moving out again. And with that movement of the breath, can associate the movement of awareness itself from being involved with externals, sensory stimulus, or even involved with thought activity, to coming to consciously connect to your essence of being, which is the light of awareness, the light of consciousness within us all. And as we stop for this moment of stillness, this moment of remembrance that we are spiritual beings, Let us open ourselves to the wisdom of the body-mind, the wisdom of the earth and its beautiful seasons, and open ourselves to the inspiration that can come to us in this conversation today about living well, really nurturing the body and mind so that the essential self can shine through in all its brilliance. So I mentioned... uh, as I was introducing the program this morning, how wonderful um, Kate's cookbook lifestyle book is. I'm going to call it cookbook lifestyle book because it's really arranged to help us understand um, how the selection of food and the preparation of food, the way we eat our food, the way we care for our bodies are all an essential part of living a happy, healthy, conscious Life And the book, uh, again, is called The Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook, A Seasonal Guide to Eating and Living Well. And, uh, of course, the basis for the, the wisdom and the practices in uh, the book is the ancient system of Ayurveda. So, Kate, let's just start there. You know, how did you become interested in Ayurveda and how, how, what's been your journey with that? Well, I started uh, traveling in India when I was 19, and I just, I knew I wanted to go there, and I didn't have a great reason why, so I I went um, in college to teach English to a village school, and I ended up just staying in India and traveling around, and I ate all sorts of weird food, (laughs) and I got some serious parasites, and I... I kept going back and forth to India. I still do uh, every year or every other year sometimes. And my one year it was really bad. And my yoga teacher sent me to his family doctor who was an Ayurvedic physician in Mysore Uh in South India. And I didn't actually know anything about, about Ayurveda Uh at the time. And he, I went through a bunch of karma with that doctor 
And it really changed my life. It changed my experience of my body. I had a a very spiritual experience there. Mm. And I immediately started reading everything I could get my hands on about Ayurveda after that point. And I, a lot of the lifestyle was ingrained in the yoga tradition that I learned in India anyhow. So, so much of it is a part of my daily life, teaching my students who are trying to sort of evolve in their own yogas. And I eventually made a formal study of it. And that was when I started kind of offering consultations to people and just really realizing that people can only evolve to a point before uh, if the diet is not correct for them, it will start to hold them back. Mm-hmm. I have I really uh, experienced that as well, you know, in my own life and uh, in my teaching of yoga philosophy and meditation practices over 30 years. I find that, you know, one of the great impediments that... Um, we have and the students have is a lifestyle that's out of whack and, um, you know, coming to the spiritual path and, you know, wanting, um, to have meditation and, you know, spiritual practice adjust all that. Um, and it does, you know, of course, make a huge difference when, you know, we come onto the spiritual path and we start to become aware of what we really are, what our life is about, you know, how to work with the mind. But unless, um, you know how to understand the body and its needs and how to cultivate, um, a healthy, um, diet and lifestyle for the body, um, it's going to make uh, meditation and spiritual practice in the long run very difficult because the body um, lets us know <laughs> when it's when it's when it's out of balance. And and also I think it's such a wonderful way um, for us to, you know, this, we talk about yoga as union, you know, but often people think, well, you know, it's union with God, but really it's a, it's the union that is wholeness. And so it's the wholeness of body, body, mind, spirit, you know, it's, it's bringing all components of our life together so that our diet and our food choices are not, you know, something that sit outside of our, um, spiritual practice and and more and more i think because of our culture fast-paced culture and technology we're we're more and more um apart from nature right you know we're sitting in front of the computer screen and you know so i often ask myself you know are you aware of what phase the moon is in right now you know without checking your computer to find out (laughs) so um you know, of course, in, in Ayurveda, we have the teaching, like we do in yoga, that that human beings are an expression of that one life that is the life of all. And um, so, just maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about how that how how you understand that in terms of Ayurveda, like the our individual nature being um, a reflection of the whole cosmic order of things and you know, what it means to come into harmony with that. Mm -hmm. I find it profound to consider that everything in the universe is made of the five elements. (laughs) And those elements make, they make up the food I eat. They make up my body. They make up uh, my pet's body. (laughs) You know, it's, it's there. Those elements are all around us. And so if, we are all made of the same stuff, then it's it's the, the basic building blocks of our universe. So the building blocks of a human body are no different than the building blocks of the earth that we live on. Mm-hmm. And I found that uh, the way that Ayurveda looks at one's body as this conglomeration of the five elements, I found that to be really helpful because culturally, I think we... We give a thumbs up to certain qualities and a thumbs down to others. Mm-hmm. Like, like as a productive culture, we, we would rather be fast and mobile mm-hmm. than, than slow and stable or steady. 
And some people, based on having more earth element in their constitution, will be more slow and more stable. But people who have more of the air in their constitution will naturally be more mobile, more quick. Mm-hmm. So there's to learn about the qualities of the elements and how they manifest in my own body. Uh, it was like a process of self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. to see the yeah. physical manifestation of an element like okay i know i've got air element because i'm very dry and air mm-hmm. is dry and then to say well you know so uh, that that would explain why my mind is rushing <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of the time mm-hmm. and it just allowed me to sort of get on board with that okay that's a part of my reality and what can ayurveda teach me about managing that mm-hmm. yeah and and uh, and looking also um at at how it can manifest in in ways that are just um, delightful, like having a lot mm-hmm. of air, I, I'm sure allowed you to come up with the inspiration for your book, right? You know, there's the inspiration that's connected to that that quality of of movement, and um, and as I was listening to you, Kate, I was thinking about. Um, working in groups of people, whether it's a family or, you know, uh, for me, working with the staff at the center. And there's all different body types, all different constitutions, and people are all expressing in a different way and bringing something different. You know, we, we have some air element going on there, some fire, some earth. Yeah. <laughs> and and when, when you have a, a, some understanding about how, you know, for some, you know, there's a predominance of a certain element that a person brings. You know, we can look at the gifts of that, don't you think? And and how important it is. I mean, we wouldn't want everybody to have the same um, constitution uh, in a group because then we wouldn't have the richness of of the gifts that everybody brings. Definitely, yes. There's a there's a diversity that's necessary on our planet. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a part of it. And it seems like, okay, like once you understand, you know, that Ayurveda teaches about like what the whole, the manifestation of the whole cosmos and there's these elements and we all have those elements and they line up in a different way in each of us. So we all have a unique uh, expression of that. And um, many of our listeners, I think, will be familiar with the term doshas, um, the way that that Ayurveda defines, you know, how it, it lines up for us. Um, how do you find that concept of dosha to be helpful when you're supporting people in learning about how to live a balanced life, you know, once they start knowing there's all these elements that they're made up of? Mm -hmm. Well, knowing what elements predominate in your body, which is so much from your mom and dad, like Mm -hmm. it's really your, what, what your DNA is that decides your constitution, but knowing what elements are prevalent you can look to the qualities of of those elements to see sort of what your strengths are and also where what are the areas where you're likely to get out of balance and that way you can be preventative like knowing there's excessive fire there maybe eating a lot of spicy food isn't a great idea for me so i can sort of head it off at the pass rather than ending up with a you know an acid stomach problem and you know one of the things that i find just fascinating about you know, the body and the signals of the body and what it is to be in balance and get out of balance is, and, and we can talk about it um, more in the next section of the program if you want, but one of the things I find fascinating is that when we start to get out of balance, if we don't recognize the signal for what it is, we're likely to take on behaviors that exacerbate the imbalance. So, you know, I, I can tend to get... um you know, out of balance with either pitta or vata, uh, you know, fire or air elements. And um, so say it's vata that is just, you know, starting to swirl around. Um, I would start, you know, wanting to have a bunch of crackers or something you know, that's yeah. really dry that is just going to, you know, it's like pile it on. So isn't that, what do you, what do you think about that? How, how does that happen? Why do we do yeah. that? Well, it's, it's kind of a, funny thing that cravings are one of the ways that Ayurveda uh, helps us to pay attention to paying attention to cravings 
is a big indicator of what's going on with, with a dosha. Because when a dosha is in balance, an individual will crave things that actually make, make the body maintain balance and stay healthy. When a dosha is out of balance, then we start to crave things that will increase that dosha and perpetuate the imbalance. So it's, it's sort of like there's a perpetual motion machine going in, in either direction. So when the cravings start being for things that like we intuitively know <laughs> yeah. are, aren't going to go over so well in the long uh, run, then it's like ding, ding, ding. Uh-huh. And if you have this framework of Ayurveda, then you can recognize it for what it is, you know, and that's what I find, um, you know, so beautiful about the path of yoga and Ayurveda that you can, um, right even in the midst of it, um, you can see where that path is going to lead, but you, but you have an understanding of, you know, where it's coming from, um, that can then help you, uh, make, uh, better choices. We're, we're going to go, uh, to a break now, and when we come back, um, we're going to talk about, um, what is it that causes us to go out of balance? You know, we all know what it feels like to um, just feel like we've lost our balance. We don't feel very well. We feel um, spacey or heavy or sluggish, and we just, you know, don't feel like we're at our best. So what is it that causes that um, to happen for us? You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Kate O'Donnell. She's the author of the Everyday Ayurvedic Cookbook, A Seasonal Guide to Eating and Living Well. And Kate's website is kateodonnell.yoga. Kate O'Donnell, that's two N's and two L's, dot yoga. And we'll be right back with you in a few minutes. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, your soul wants five things. Your soul will thank you. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio.
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Um, this morning we're having a wonderful conversation about yoga and Ayurveda and how these two sister sciences can help us lead a balanced, healthy, and spiritually conscious life, a life of yoga that is body, mind, spirit, in harmony, in balance. And um, I'm talking with Kate O'Donnell, who is the author of the Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook, A Seasonal Guide to Eating and Living Well. So, Kate, in the first section, we were talking about um, how with with both yoga and Ayurveda, the, the goal that we have is to... Um, live our lives in balance. And this is on, you know, just every level, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually balanced in terms of how we spend our days, how we use our time, how we eat our food, how we relate to the seasons and uh, changes. And so balance is a key thing. But, of course, we're we're not... Um, rocks <laughs> so you know those elements are always moving around in us and we're always interacting with changes in nature and so how in the world you know do we keep our balance and you know in your book you talk about three main factors that cause us to lose our balance so tell us about those factors um and how we can how knowing about that can help us uh, gain or regain our balance. Yes, the uh, trivida karana are the traditionally the three ways the body gets out of balance. Uh, I think it's huge to understand that, hugely helpful. The first one is uh, the aspect of time. So it's the time of day, uh, the time of year, that being the season and the time of life. So one would take into account sort of uh, what stage of life am I in, what time of day is it, and what season is it before sort of uh, deciding which foods should predominate in the diet. So the seasonal effect is is so huge, the way that the change of seasons especially affects the body and adjusting the diet along with the seasons I've personally noticed that to be such a large part of maintaining health that I, that's why I wrote this book, just I to think, address that. I think it's brilliant, Kate, because even, you know, even those of us who practice yoga a long time and are aware of Ayurveda, um, I think that what you've done is is really a next step. You know, we we learn about season and how we are to tune into it and how that can affect our food choices. But um, the way that you've structured your 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 cookbook, your wellness book around the seasons, really, um, I found you know it just kind of forced me to really look at okay, what season am I in, and what are the foods that are going to be uh, right for keeping my body uh, in tune and in balance. And, you know, one of the um, challenges that we have with time now and with season in, in the U.S. in particular in the urban settings is that because of imported food, mm-hmm. um, we yeah. have everything available to us all year long. And so, you know, if you're not aware of the value of eating foods that are um, foods that are for that season, it, it's going to be hard to make choices because you're going to be having peaches and watermelon in December because mm-hmm. it's easy. And so, so what does eating watermelon in, de- in December do to your body, mind, constitution? Right, make you cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stand in line at the grocery store sometimes, and I. Someone will be buying, you know, citrus fruits in July, and I'm thinking, don't, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> you don't have to do that. And I personally go to the farmers market because then I know, you know, when things are coming in and when they're leaving the season. 
Exactly. And that's really a wonderful uh, way to do it. I mean, it's an easy way to get organic produce and, you know, to be in tune with uh, things that are growing in your region. Um, you know, I live in uh, Santa Cruz, California, and it's very cool here. So we get salad greens uh, really throughout the year and uh, in the summer we have lots of them but I also travel to uh, Georgia in the summer where my teacher's uh, meditation center is and it's really really hot there mm-hmm. and they don't have salad greens right um, and you know I spent a long time looking around oh you know, and you might find some wilty little sad thing that came from Mexico or something but um so it's going to be different, you know, where you are and different with the time. So kala or time is one thing that we have to pay attention to. Um, and, I, and I like how you pointed out there's different elements. Is There's the time of the day. Uh, what time of the day are you eating and what's appropriate to eat at what time? Mm-hmm. And what is the time of the year or the season? And also what is the time of your life? You know, when you're an adolescent, your, your food needs are very different than, um, when you're an elder. If you eat like an adolescent when you're an elder, you're going to have a hard time standing up. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you'll get too heavy. <laughs> True. Yeah. So what besides kala, what besides time is a factor of the three? What else would you point to? Well, the, the second one is especially important for yogis. The It's the misuse of the sense organs is a cause of imbalance. Um, and another one that I think is hugely uh, problematic for us currently, culturally. So the... I like to describe the sense organs. We're talking about like the eyes, the ears, the skin, the nose, and the tongue. So those are the organs in the body that actually receive the stimulus about what was happening in our world. They're like windows into your nervous system. So all of that information that's coming in through the eyes, the ears, the skin, etc., that all has to be processed, all that information. and we are often in a state where we're not making any time for that process. Mm. People are constantly engaging the sense organs, which can cause imbalance in two ways. One is for uh, a breakdown of the actual organ itself. Like if you're on the computer all the time and your eyes start getting red and itchy and dry toward the end of the day. And also we start to see uh, the nervous system gets edgy. Because there's just too much going on and not enough downtime. And I think uh, a lot of our current diseases, stress is a major player, and Western medicine is finding the same thing. Right. And uh, this is, that's like points directly to this cause of imbalance, the misuse of the sense organs. Yeah, and we look at, of course, you know, even what's happening with um, children and how. Um, they're continually bombarded now, and there's so little downtime um, for many children, you know, just time in nature, for example, where you can have that processing. Um, I know for me, uh, I go for a walk along the ocean, and I try to do that every day when I'm home. And that's, uh, even though I'm moving, uh, I'm not, uh, it's not aerobic. I'm not working out. <laughs> I'm, I'm mm. just coming into the place where I live. I'm, you know, breathing in the salt air. I'm, I'm letting things rest and, uh, process and settle. So, um, I think that is just so important for us to be aware of and how um, this over-stimulation, uh, overuse, um, and that combined with the wrong time. I mean, we can see that, you know, if we have the wrong time and we mm-hmm. have, you know, yes. over overuse of um, the senses, taking in too much that's not getting processed, you know, we're sort of headed for a... A body mind train wreck. So, so give us the third car on the train, Kate. What is? What else do we look for? The third third cause of imbalance is uh, called prajna parad, which means crime against wisdom. So, the body knows what, like our natural intelligence, 
will draw us towards things that sustain balance in our bodies. And yet we notice ourselves choosing things that are non-beneficial. And so I love explaining this one to the public because people are like, thank God, you know? And I say, there's a Sanskrit word for that, right? Like, don't, it's not just you. It's not just you who eats Ben and Jerry's at bedtime, right? Knowing that you're going to wake up all full of mucus. Right. And it's, you know, it's so ancient and it's so human that, you know, we find it in the scriptures. You know, this is a question that Arjuna asks Krishna, like, why do I do the things? Why do I do the things that I know I shouldn't do? And why don't I do the things that I should? So what is that about in terms of Ayurveda? Well, it's, it's considered sort of a malfunction of the mind, actually, that uh, we have experiences and memories that teach us what is awesome for us and what is kind of detrimental. Um, But for different reasons, often because we don't slow down enough to listen, we might make a choice without actually feeling our true intelligence. And so you end up sort of eating a meal that might not have been the best choice. Because you, you, you didn't stop to listen. That's one way that it can happen. Um, and also there, there, can be, um, there can be so-called doshas of the mind, which is uh, rajas and tamas, which is where we, when we get too much excitable energy in the body, we would call that rajas. And when we get uh, too much lethargic or heavy energy, that's called tamas. And those doshas... Just like the doshas of the body can cause us to have cravings that perpetuate imbalance, it's the same with the doshas of the mind. So sometimes if the mind is not in, in its state of relative balance, we'll, we can make choices to perpetuate those energies. Right, and the same thing as with um, at the physical level, um, that when the mind is out of balance, we we tend to crave things or do things that exacerbate the imbalance. Yeah. Um, so you know, if we're got have too much rajas gonna going, you know, and we're um, just you know <laughs> speeding down the highway of our life, we're we're likely to you know drive right over to Starbucks and get a you know a double espresso, um, which <laughs> which would which would be exacerbating um, that rajasic um, tendency. I think one of the other things that comes into this um, going against our own wisdom, of course, is habit. Yes. And, um, you know, that's one of the things I've noticed in my own life that, you know, I have certain stories about, you know, certain foods that I like, um, (laughs) that, you know, I should, I should be able to eat because, you know, they, you know, you can find evidence that they're good, but, you know, it's like my own wisdom knows it's not that best, it's not the best thing uh, for me, but I have a habit of having that in my diet. So, um, you know, sometimes we have to find, um, I think, a, a substitute, you know, like cultivate something else in that space, you know, to help us overcome a habit that we know is not the best uh, choice for us. Um, I want to be sure that we take some time to actually talk about, you know, how to use your book and how it works because, um, you know, I've been delving into it and really enjoying it. And one of the things I really like about it, Kate, besides the fact that you organized it by seasons uh, and as I shared with you offline, you, know, you kind of force us um, because it's not organized by, you know, a chapter on soups, you know, right. or, or desserts. It, it's organized by season. So you really have to delve in and, and, um, and look at what would be relevant to the season that you're living in. And of course, you have a wonderful introductory material that is in, really introduction to Arveda and healthy living. Um, <clears throat> but, so one of the things that I, one of the other things I like is how simple the recipes are. I think many people get discouraged about Ayurvedic cooking because it's too exotic and, you know, you spend too much time in the kitchen trying to make something that doesn't come out that well. Mm-hmm. And so 
I mean, you have some really lovely, simple things like, you know, one of my favorites is your warm salad idea, um, yeah. which, you know, if you just say warm salad, that sounds awful, but <laughs> it's really, really good and it's so easy. So tell us about warm salad and how you came up with that. Yes, the, the steamed salad bowl, which coincidentally is has become sort of a a huge thing in, in fast food. At least in mm-hmm. Boston, you know, the place Sweet Green. Mm. There's another place called Dig In. Anyway, there's all these restaurants that are offering these like bowls of, you, there's like a, you know, a grain on the bottom and then some sort of steamed vegetables, some kind of sauce and a protein. And that's, that's how I eat at home. Uh, I'm never, I'm never following a recipe in my own kitchen. I just find that maddening. And if I try to follow a recipe and there's something on the list that I don't have, I'm just going to put something else in there. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the steamed salad was uh, to reduce the amount of raw food that we eat, A, because I did notice that uh, working in the city in, in the Northeast, a lot of people ate salad every day for lunch mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's quick. You don't have to cook it. And that can be a little cold in the mm-hmm. wintertime to eat a salad. So I thought, okay, how can we, can we eat a warm salad and just sort of cook a grain in the morning and, and steaming vegetables only takes a minute really. And they digest a lot better. And then there's can be variety, different sauces. So I just tried to put a seasonal steam salad for each season, sort of with a couple, you know, a couple options for grains, a couple options for vegetables and a, a sauce or two that one can make. And, you know, I have found um, that once I started to make the shift um, between, you know, having, you know, raw food like salad, like, you know, in the West, of course, we're really used to salad. But once you start having more cooked food, um, then the, um, I, I find like I just don't want salad anymore, you know, maybe a, a little bit kind of as a, as a condiment, um, like that, but it, it, it's like making these changes. Uh, I find that my tastes and my awareness, um, begins to change as well. So, um, this, you know, this warm, you know, uh, quote unquote salad bowl with the, with the steamed veggies is a great way to begin to make those kinds of changes that are supportive of the body. You know, what else would you uh, suggest besides that is something that uh, would be really simple for somebody to incorporate. Oh, I I'm a huge fan of kitchery for sure. Although I, it is a, a so, somewhat Indian dish, uh-huh. but it's a staple for me to use uh, basmati rice and split mung beans. And every it's I'm a big fan of one pot cooking because it's proper mm-hmm. food combining and it's really easy. So for me, that's, again, how I cook at home, just rice, bean, vegetable, a little bit of spice. And and I noticed that with other recipes in, in the book uh, as well, that, you know, like you have the um, cream of anything soup, right? Which is, yeah. you know, you have a little broth, you put whatever vegetables are in the refrigerator in it, and, mm-hmm. um, and you've also... Um, given, you know, some really simple recipes for making your own spice mixes. And so um, that was great, really easy to do. And, you know, having a little bit of the right spice makes it more interesting. So this is just, you know, a little bit of broth. You put the vegetables in, you put uh, some fresh ginger in, you put some spice in, cook it up you know, in one pot, and then you can use an immersion blender, put it in the blender, and, and you have a, a beautiful, um, oh, I forgot, some kind of milk. And you you also have um, done, you know, looked at the seasons of what kind of milk you might want to use, depending on the mm-hmm. season, whether it's cow's milk, goat's milk, almond milk, soy milk. Um, so there's lots of ways that, that you, can, you can look at um, with that. So tell us a little bit, Kate, too, about, you know, in your book, you do get a little bit into Dinacharya about daily routine. And um, I also found your tips there so helpful. You know, I, I find that 
you know, most of us want to do Abhyanga, but it's like so complicated. And, you know, some of us were introduced to it like, okay, you put it on, then you sit in your bathrobe in this oil for 20 minutes and then you, you know, so it's like, okay, by the time I meditate and um, use my neti pot and have my cooked breakfast right. and <clears throat> do my uh, oil massage, uh, I can't get, I, I have no time to go to my job. So um, tell me about your right. pro, your approach to uh, Dinacharya or this daily you know, health routine. Well, I think it's important to, to do the practices that are most helpful individually. You know, that I do what's going to help my body the best, and you do what's going to help your body the best, rather than trying to do them all. <laughs> like, I, I don't need to do neti unless I feel like I'm coming down with something. Mm-hmm. When I first got made made a formal study of Ayurveda, I had a three-hour Dinacharya practice every day. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was getting up at 3 a.m. and doing, like, everything on the list. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do in the book is is I I would put different routines at the beginning of each seasonal section in the seasonal overview so that if somebody did want to say over the course of a year, figure out which ones are the most helpful for them, you can shift a little bit with the change of the seasons. Right. I find that's true for me uh, as well. And, um, and the Abhyanga, I think, is uh, a really good practice. Of course, it's especially good going into the cold season to warm you up and yep. nourishing. But I think um, for many of us, it's a wonderful balance, uh, balancing uh, practice to calm the nervous system, you know, as to... to um, to ameliorate that tendency to misuse the sense organs and, you know, like that. So, but if you can do it, just, you know, I find now it's, uh, I'm probably down to a seven minute Abhyanga practice <laughs> because you just put the warm oil on, you get in the shower, let the hot water and the steam, you know, help you uh, take it in. So your book was, um, was really, really helpful in that way of just making it simple. Um, Tell me about, you know, before we uh, get to the end of our show, I want to be sure to touch on, you know, what is your greater vision about yoga and Ayurveda? I mean, you're living this, you're teaching it, you know, what's behind all of that for you? Why? Mm. Uh, there's there's sort of the, the spiritual and the practical, both aspects to that. Um, practically, I work with a lot of students and I want them to feel good and I want them to evolve. And I just found that these, these simple practices that are ancient, they, they calm the mind, they stabilize the body. If I can help people to simplify the traditional practices, including the cooking in such a way that they actually do it, then mm-hmm. people begin to take benefit. So my job as a as a writer and as a practitioner became to make make it really simple. Yeah. Well, congratulations. So <laughs> I think you. I think you have have done it, and you have helped. Uh, a lot of us overcome that obstacle of, you know, how do we fit this into our life? And, um, you know, I think most of us who work full-time jobs, you know, we're up against that obstacle of, you know, we come home, we're tired, we don't have time to cook. Um, how do we, how do we do this? So making it simple, um, has been a, a really, really great, uh, gift that, that you have, uh, given, uh, with the book. What what would be your advice um, for somebody who's who's just starting out? You know, somebody who's just stepped onto the yoga path, is practicing uh, either hatha yoga or is uh, studying kriya yoga, like we teach, and beginning to learn about the philosophy, how to meditate, practice pranayama, and so on. What would be your advice to somebody who's just getting started about how to enter into this stream of learning how to um, eat foods, uh, cook foods that are in harmony with living in the highest way? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's it is for those people that I I made the section of the cookbook that's called Everyday Recipes. Mm-hmm. So that all of the foods and the spices and the oils, the vegetables that are included in those recipes, they're they're kind of tridoshic or neutral in their qualities. So that say you don't know yet what elements are manifesting in your body, you don't know what your constitution is, uh, and and you're not clear on what's happening with the weather either, right? Like this is all new. All the recipes in the everyday section of the book are beneficial foods for the yogi to eat, regardless of constitution, regardless of the time of year, uh, regardless of the time of life and time of day. So there's breakfast, there's lunch, there's dinner, which will kind of guide the beginner into eating more food at midday and a lighter, more digestible dinner. So what I, I just want people to feel like they can really dig right in and be a mad scientist and, and start start cooking. Mm-hmm. So so all the everyday recipes, I, I just want everyone listening to feel free to make them and eat them and take benefit. So would you would you give us an example of a just an everyday easy on the system? breakfast, lunch, dinner, what what might that look like for somebody starting out? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it could look like um, soaking a grain overnight, say brown rice or quinoa or buckwheat. And when you wake up in the morning, you turn it on. And while you're doing your dinacharya, your seven minute abhyanga, et cetera, <laughs> it, you're, you're cooking the, the grain. It's just simmering on your stove. Um, and then when it, when it's done and you're ready to eat your breakfast, you can make what I call the cream grain cereal. And I do make it all the time. I'm, I'm a bit attached to my immersion blender. I <laughs> yeah, it's a tool. It's, it's fun. It just changes the texture and makes things different. So I'll put a little bit of, say, almond milk or um, some cinnamon. Maybe I'll put some sunflower seeds or uh, raisins, cranberries. One, one of those things will go in the pot with the grain, the milk, and I'll, uh, I'll cream it with the hand blender and eat that for breakfast. And then I'll take the, some of the grain, set aside, and make a steamed salad for lunch where I'll just steam up you know, sweet potatoes or kale or, again, whatever they have at the farmer's market that I know is in season. And I do have those spice mixes in my cabinet so that I can flavor a savory dish mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. savory spice mix and the breakfast with the sweet spice mix. And then at dinner time, I would, I would recommend soup kind of across the board because, you know, if we've had a really stimulating day and hopefully we're going to go to bed like reasonably early, we don't want to have a lot in the gut or a lot of complicated food in the gut. So I, I'm a huge fan of the cleansing green soup. And I do make that a lot in the evening time. And it's just you get like maximum nutrition really easily by just parboiling in veggie broth uh, an assortment of greens and add a little spice mix. Again, you got your blend, your immersion blender there. And if you want something creamy, you can add silken tofu, you can add cashews, you can add almond milk. So it's like you get on this kind of plan where there's a sort of a warm cereal, there's a there's a, a steamed salad at lunch, and there's a soup at night. That is so great because it's you know it's so basic and so simple, and uh, like you said, we can. It also invites us to go into that laboratory, and you know we can, yeah, we can add yeah. some. We can add some things. I was making your cream of anything soup the other day, and it was I was a little more hungry. It was like too light, and so I I just I turned into a wild woman, and I just threw quinoa in it and whipped it up with the immersion blender. So the, the I recipes, totally do that. <laughs> so the recipes really, um, it, you know, I think you even encourage that by by giving us, of course, so so many options of of uh, what what we can do. Um, I have a beautiful quote from Paramahansa Yogananda who said, since the expression of the soul is dependent upon the body and the body is dependent upon food, 
it is desirable to know not only the physical but also the spiritual and psychical effects of food. And so, of course, this is what we've been talking about all morning that, you know, we can't really divorce and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't want to divorce our physical life from our so you know, so-called spiritual life. You know, it's 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 all one life that we're living, and uh, I think the gift, one of the gifts of Ayurveda, is um, being able to bring the conscious awareness that that we have in our other elements of our spiritual practice into something so basic mm-hmm. as you know. Yes. What are we? What are we choosing um, to bring into our home? To bring into our body? And how are we caring for our, ourselves? And I think really for the earth. You know that there's um, the other piece of the vision is that whatever we can do to live in harmony with our own body and the season, we're also going to be supportive of. Um, caring for the earth in that way. So, Kate, I, I really want to thank you um, for coming uh, on to Yoga Hour. I, I see that we could have many conversations about, about Ayurveda and yoga, and so I hope you, you will return and uh, join us again. And if you're listening uh, live, I want to um, make sure that you know Living the Eternal Way class is starting up on Tuesday, September 20th for six Tuesday evenings. And you can go to csecenter.org. The class is offered online if you're at a distance. And we want to thank Kate O'Donnell again and uh, remind you that her book is the Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook. And her website is kateodonnell.org. Yoga. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Locke Kelly, the author of Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. And that open-hearted awareness, of course, will help us to stay in balance. Uh, The Yoga Hour is a service project, a center for spiritual enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Uh, I want to thank our Yoga Hour team. Uh, Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio and Dr. Laurel Trujillo, uh, assistant producers Nita Kenyon and Ann Hayes. And to all of our listeners, um, we're so glad you joined us for this wonderful conversation. And we wish you really good health and balance in your life. Let your light shine into the world and share your peace and joy with all you meet. Thanks again, Kate. It was delightful talking with you. Thank you so much. Okay, bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. moment we live can be holy and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so everything we do can be a prayer and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives that can indeed be true author Carla Kincannon wrote creativity is so much more than art making It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. 